0: get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with C D starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Look in my eyes, what do you see? The cult of
1: And welcome back. Our two of two is officially underway right here on the game. 1037 Laugh yet at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Hopefully. You're having a good one so far, and more importantly, you are absolutely loving what's going on on the show so far. Hour two is going to be even better. Is, I, I've wanted to do something for a while on this show. Doesn't necessarily always work out because my brain just processes 10,000 different things? And I said, this is the year I'm finally going to go ahead and start working on ideas for the summer. That's how the power rankings came about. But also, I had another idea. Consider this time, like from now until we get to college football season, summer camp. Like, this is the time where I'm getting guests on, getting people ready for college football. I know we still got plenty of college baseball, the College World Series, MLB. But at the end of the day, I think it's great if we could have conversations flowing about the sport of college football, especially when it comes to to the SEC and the Sunbelt Conference, because those are the two that we focus on a lot here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll get some Southland in there as well. But I'm wanting to do that so I can give you all an idea of what's going on in the world of the SEC and the Sunbelt. And I think there's a lot of great things coming in 2022, especially in the Sunbelt with new members in. It's great to kind of get an idea of what's going on on the other side and see what the other conferences are doing, because obviously we know what's going on with the Cajuns and LSU on a day-to-day basis. So we're going to start that off today. I've got A.J. Spur. He'll be coming on around 10-15, depending how the segment goes, maybe 10-20. We shall see. Sometimes that's the benefit of having this segment open up hour two, and that is the power rankings. Again, appreciate you listening in however you're doing, so be it through 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, or also through your free mobile app, smart speakers, .com, all kinds of different ways to listen to Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And last week was a debut of a segment that I had been looking forward to doing for a while and doing it over the summer, and that's power rankings. And there's nothing off limits. I've got free range to pick whatever I want. Now, obviously, within reason, but this one in particular has been an idea I've been thinking about for a while. A lot like last week's. So consider this top five things I miss part, deux, part two of this edition. And last week was restaurants. I'm going more general places that I enjoy going to. And it doesn't just have to be Louisiana. Because I've got one that I'm going to start off with that isn't in the state of Louisiana. Heck, it's not even around anymore, obviously. But I'm going to get to that with number five. If you have one or if you want to react to it, 337-706-0111 is the number to dial to get in on the game hotline. 337-706-0111. And again, full disclosure, this nostalgia is brought to you by a 33-year-old. There are some people, I'm sure, who are older older, who have some other takes that I didn't include on the list. Trust me. I've got. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen this play a lot of changes over the last few years, especially when it comes to movie theaters and all that stuff. That's definitely what's what kind of started the conversation about this list. And I'll go ahead and break it down like a fraction here. And I'll start off with number five. It's going to always be tough to think about this and not rank it higher. But I had to put it at number five because there was another place that was always kind of going to take it over. Because this is a place you went to if you were of a certain age. This was a place you always went to when you went to Houston, Texas. After an Astros game, before an Astros game, whatever. Six Flags Astro World was always the place to be growing up. If you wound up making a road trip over to Houston to go see an Astros game or what have you, I can vividly remember Going there when I was little, probably no more than, like, five, six years old. Absolutely loved that place. Well, I think I went there a couple more times later on down the road. But number five absolutely has to be Six Flags World. Missed that place like crazy. It's It was an establishment. And, you know, again, it was just the fact that at the time, Six Flags was, like, your big dog. Like obviously you had you have your Disneylands, your Universal Studios, but Six Flags was able to kinda of bring that into areas that weren't necessarily the big markets, if you will, because obviously Disneyland and Universal Studios expanded into Hollywood and California and Disney was always just gonna be in Florida because after all that was where they kinda kinda laid their home. And also they rename they're renaming Space Mountain Lightyear Mountain to promote the Lightyear movie, the Buzz Lightyear movie that's out right now in theaters. And the fact that they're renaming Space Mountain is definitely just weird to me. The oldest ride, longest line, now you're renaming it after all this time? Strange. But I'll I'll divert and digress. I'll throw in this place as a number four. I only went to this place one time, but honestly, I enjoyed it. It was a cool little place. Qzar laser Tag. I swear, laser Tag was a big thing. Back in, like, the 90s, especially in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that little place, this was, I think, not far from Don's, if I'm I'm not mistaken. That place was really freaking cool. I always enjoyed seeing that venue all the time. Going there, only went there once, but it was enough to make an influence to where he winds up number four on the list. Again, 33 years old, maybe not the best Barometer, because I'm sure there's a lot of places that I'm missing here on this list. If you have one, 337-706-0111. Really cool place. Wish I'd gone there more before they closed down. Number three, and I'll say this, full disclosure. This was the place where I saw my first ever movie, and it was the Flintstones movie, the first one. The mall at the Acadiana, excuse me, The theater. At the Acadiana Mall. I think there are a ton of people that remember this place all too well. And the fact that I've gotten in conversations with people about how much the Acadiana Mall has changed over the last 10 years. And again, that's just the state of malls in general. You go down to New Orleans, you go down a lot of different malls and stuff. I mean, the Riverwalk just got bought by. And that's another place that was, that's a great mall. But malls have just changed so much because of the fact that now we got online shopping and whatnot, where the... The need for the Martin isn't necessarily there quite as much. But the Acadiana Mall Theater was on another level. The fact you had it inside of there. Like you could go ahead, go get an Orange Julius or something, or go get some Burger King. By the way, the uh, restaurants they had in there too could also wind up making this list. But at the same time, back in the day when they had McDonald's, Burger King, all that stuff inside the Mall of Acadiana, you know, you can live you can go get it somewhere else, and it's probably gonna be a little bit better. But the experience of going there to go eat was a little bit better back then too. Hell they had I think they had a TGI Fridays in there too, and that was a pretty nice place that probably would make a lot of people's honorable mentions. But the theater inside the Acadian mall by a mile gets into this list at number three. Number two, we're gonna go more in the cinema side. And I feel like bringing up a lot of these. The Westwood Theater is a strong candidate to make the honorable mention, but I left it out. I omitted it just because I didn't feel like bogging it down in the honorable mentions, the ARVs, bogging those down with more theaters. The Westwood Theater was phenomenal. But I always tie a lot of memories to the Northgate Mall, the Northgate Cinema. Again, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, born and raised in more towards the character area, so the north side of Lafayette is something that I remember a lot. The Northgate Mall, when that thing was popping, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the Northgate Cinema, which is now Planet Fitness, that was another level of greatness. It's very much it's something that I miss as well, compared to what we see now. A lot of the theaters, they're built very similarly, where it's all you know stadium seating and that stuff i actually liked the old school type feel to those theaters i vividly remember going to see so many movies like the phantom menace i remember seeing the master of disguise a movie i didn't necessarily like when i saw it but i wound up seeing it anyways it was and that was one of the last movies i saw over there back in oh three not long after that, i believe they did close down but that was an absolute highlight of like my childhood, going over to the, the movie theater, me and my dad would always go there, and it's always just up there on the list. Northgate Cinema, I'll, I'll, you know, screw it. ARV, you're gonna have Westwood Cinema in there, which is a, which is not far from where the racetrack gas station is, the one basically almost had a corner from Raising Canes. That movie theater was really cool. The just the architecture of it was pretty kick-ass, and more importantly, you had. A really good arcade, which is why Northgate Cinema didn't get number one. Number one with a bullet. And again, this is kind of what the crux of all this started as in terms of the places I miss. Is arcades in general number one? Because there's not really any in the Acadian area. There was one for a while in downtown Lafayette, but I'm not going to bring that up. I am going to bring up, though, Aladdin's Castle. Yes, you heard me right. Aladdin's Castle. If you are of a certain age, again, there are three places you'd probably have a birthday party at at one point or another in your life as a kid. Chuck E. Cheese or Showbiz Pizza if you're of a, a slightly older, basically, because I remember going to Showbiz Pizza, and they had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade machine, one of the best arcade games of all time. So... It was Showbiz Pizza, Chuck E. Cheese, and we was going to lump those in. McDonald's, which had phenomenal birthday parties. Or Aladdin's Castle. Especially the one in the Northgate Mall. Like, towards the end of the Northgate Mall's, like, peak, Aladdin's Castle was, like, the best. Because you had your mixture of a lot of the stuff that was kind of filling the arcade machines at the time, like House of the Dead and all that stuff. But you also, if you dug a little bit further, you had your Galaga's, your Pac-Man's, your Simpsons arcade games. Those are absolutely at the top of the list. I cannot tell you how many times I just poured quarters into into those machines or tokens because you used to just get tokens. Put a dollar in, you get the tokens. Nowadays, it's more just go ahead and pay in quarters or pay straight dollar because that's how the way things are these days because it's usually around about a dollar if you go to any arcade but those arcade machines back then they hit different Aladdin's castle and I just got a text holy moly and I'm disappointed about not bringing this one up and I'm going to throw the it's going in the ARV list as well thank you for the memories discovery freaking zone gets in that list as well ARVs But number one with the bullet, Aladdin's Castle, the arcade, absolutely was one of my favorites, especially the one in the Northgate Mall because it had that mixture of new school but also a little bit of old school if you dug a little bit deeper. Now we get to the ARVs. We already mentioned Westwood Cinema, Discovery Zone, absolutely gets into the list. Thank you for that text in on the text line. Then we go to the other ARVs that were already in there, and I've got two. I'm going to go a little old school. Raccoon Records. If you, again, of a certain age, remember when the tail end of the vinyl era and CDs and tapes started to become a thing? I mean, more CDs than anything. Raccoon Records was the place to be. And that, I can remember seeing that place all the time and going in there a couple times when I was younger. Absolutely an awesome, awesome experience. And. I love the fact I'm getting some redeemed yourself LOL messages from some good friends who are listening into the show right now. So, let's go ahead and kind of run this back with Raccoon Records. Absolutely a strong throwback to back in the day. And I'll throw in just one more thing. I brought up six flags. Astroworld. I'm going to go ahead and bundle this in, and it's a damn shame that Hurricane Katrina hit number one, number two the fact that they did not rebuild Six Flags New Orleans slash Jazzland. That was a really cool place to be, and this was a little bit after Astro World started to kind of decline, and I believe they shut down. Then you had Jazzland, and and then it was Jazzland, then it was Six Flags New Orleans. That was a cool place, and every single time I go on YouTube, every like probably six months or so, I go into a wormhole, and I wind up watching those videos that people have of the abandoned like amusement parks. And that's the first one I go to six flags, new Orleans abandoned amusement park. And I go watch that and see those guys walking around in that. It's wild to see some of that stuff still standing after one of the worst hurricanes to ever hit the state of Louisiana, let alone new Orleans, but I think by a mile six flags, new Orleans slash jazz deserves to be in the ARV of places that I miss going to. So to recap, Six Flags World, number five. Number four, Qzar Laser Tag. Number three, Acadiana Mall Theater. Number two, Northgate Cinema. Number one, Aladdin's Castle. And your ARVs, you've got Westwood Cinema, which was where the racetrack is off of Congress. No, Yeah, Congress Street, not far from Raisin Cane's and Rouse's and all that stuff. Then we go to Six Flags New Orleans, Jazzland, Raccoon Records, And Discovery Zone, because Discovery Zone is absolutely an outstanding place. And that's something I I really disappointed I didn't bring that up. But I feel like it was the fact that it was a a chain of places. It didn't necessarily get into the top five. didn't necessarily pop into my brain. But still, strong response from the text line. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. Going to get to some talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Go around the SEC and start this summer camp series right here on Under the Dome with CD on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more Under the Dome with CD right now. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. And we've got your chance to win some fantastic prizes. The Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 10401thegame.com continually stays loaded up with great prizes, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. This could help your date night blues. And trust me, as yours truly would say, I need all the help and I can get, but I can't win this. You sure as heck can. So make sure you sign up today. In the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, it's free to enter and more importantly, free to join. And you can also get a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. And we're continually reloading that thing with some fantastic prizes, so make sure you keep it locked for all the latest concerning the Rewards Club and again I may a mea culpa to a younger generation who remembers Discovery Zone. My brain completely forgot about it. But also shout out to Ralph who brought up Splats, a paintball place that I remember always driving by, never went to, but I always remember driving by and that place always was busy. Imagine that as being a phenomenal birthday party. I'd agree with him there. But we'll go ahead and table that conversation and begin what I'm calling kind of a summer camp edition of Under the Dome with a look around the SEC, and we start off with the letter A, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. And to talk about that, we got to go to the game hotline and talk with A.J. Spur of Roll Tide Wire. A.J., how you doing?
2: Mighty fine, C.D., no complaints over here. I mean, listen, summer camp, paintball, dinner, now, I might need to get in on these prizes myself. That sounds like a sweet deal.
1: Oh, it's it's always fantastic. <laughs> and, you know, obviously Alabama, it feels like – I'm going to start off with this, about the rivalry that's starting to really brew between one Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban after the war, war of words and how they were kept far apart from each other during the spring meetings. What, what are your thoughts on everything going on with that rivalry between those two head coaches?
2: You know, uh, first of all, just kind of skipping ahead with the Jimbo Fisher press conference. I I don't know if anybody necessarily saw that coming, but it it was just a shock to everybody involved. Uh, uh, Now hearing that Texas A&M wanted, you know, uh, discipline from SEC headquarters, uh, not only on the University of Alabama athletic program, but on Nick Saban himself. And then, you know, going back to Nick Saban's original comments, what he said, did that necessarily warrant You know, such a response from Texas A&M or even uh, Jimbo Fisher and a lot of the things he said in that press conference? Probably not. But what Nick Saban said was very atypical to uh, a standard Nick Saban uh, presser, media availability, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You know, naming specific programs and uh, maybe not alleging anything specifically, but but just calling out a, a program or multiple programs is not something he typically does because doing something like that puts yourself in a position uh, to be vulnerable to, you know, not just the head coach of the programs you called out, but the nation to really turn against him. And as we know, not a lot of people like Nick Saban. But usually it's for his ability to win, not for his words, uh, because he's very careful in what he chooses to say uh, when the cameras are rolling and when the microphones are hot. Uh, It was interesting. It was very extreme. It was very short-lived. Now we just have to wait for October 8th for them to meet on the field and see what happens. But I'm confident that game uh, will uh, will quiet everything down uh, moving forward.
1: And, you know, A.J., it's, it's just wild to see that, and especially now, like once the schedules came out, you started to realize this A&M Alabama game is 100% going to be either a 230 SEC on CBS or it's going to wind up being a primetime game on the four-letter network. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right?
2: Oh no, not at all. And I don't even think it's for the uh, the quality of the game because if you ask me, and maybe this is a little bit of Alabama bias coming out, that's not even a top three game I have scheduled for Alabama uh, in terms of just you know what's going to go down on the field. That's purely based on the storylines following this whole uh, Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher feud. But you know that aside, I'm excited to see it. Uh, just the pregame and postgame handshakes and interactions between the two alone are going to be worth a pay-per-view television.
1: Exactly. Thank goodness we don't have the pay-per-view type stuff we did back in the day. I'm thinking about LSU side of things with Tiger Vision back in the day when you had the, the lesser games. But let's look at LSU, uh, Alabama, excuse me, the Alabama football program. Obviously, you end the season losing in the national championship game to Georgia, and it w- was very one-sided. But to me, it feels like this is that golden opportunity for Saban to start having another revenge tour. As much as it pains a lot of LSU fans to hear that, it just feels like this Alabama team, after the way they got embarrassed, they want to redeem themselves and, more importantly, get back to the top of the mountain.
2: Absolutely, and it's funny because you know there's something called the Alabama factor. There's the Crimson Tide standard. Uh, and if you ask anybody affiliated with the Alabama football program, Or just fans in general, a majority of them would probably say this past 2021 season was a disappointment, which is funny to say, considering there was an SEC championship win, uh, there was a national championship appearance. You know, I mean, just making the college football playoff alone is enough for most programs to just be happy. You know, so if you handed off Alabama's season uh, from 2021 to just about any other program in the nation, they'd probably be ecstatic. With it. Uh, I think it's funny you mentioned the revenge tour. I've noticed a lot of similarities from what happened in 2019 to 2020. In 2019, Alabama missed the college football playoff, which obviously didn't happen in 2021, but there was that loss to LSU in 2019 in Tuscaloosa. Uh, there was a loss to Auburn. They ended up having to settle for a win over Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. That was a disappointing season for everybody. Uh, Alabama fans were beside themselves uh, in 2019. Fast forward to 2020, Mac Jones takes over, and, I mean, they they didn't lose a single game. None of them were close. And it it just seemed like that 2019 season made them so upset they came back in 2020 just guns blazing. I think we're going to see something very, very similar here in 2022, as there's a lot of returning, uh, starting talent. Uh, Obviously, now we have to factor in the five transfers that Nick Saban and Alabama managed to land from the transfer portal. So, you know, revenge tour might be the best way to put it. I just think if fans want to get an idea as to what they're in for, maybe go back in time and look to see how the 2019 Alabama team turned into the 2020 National Championship winning Alabama team.
1: Let's talk right now with A.J. Spur, part of Roll Tide Wire. Obviously, the quarterback position looks to be sewn up. But what are some interesting position battles that you're going to be keeping an eye on as we approach into fall camp for the Crimson Tide?
2: You know, overall, the defense for the most part is set. Um, The the defense last season, uh, not to say that they were inexperienced, there just wasn't a lot of cohesiveness all around, especially leadership from the linebacker position. Uh, As far as positional battles go, uh, the offensive side of the ball, Uh, Running back is set. Jameer Gibbs, Jason McClellan, Trey Sanders, Roy Dell Williams. whole lot of star power there. Obviously, quarterback position is set. Uh, At the offensive line, there might be some movement in terms of switching positions on the line. But for the most part, those five are set. What will be interesting to watch is how the wide receiver position ends up playing out. Obviously, they managed to get Jermaine Burton out of Georgia. Tyler Harrell from Louisville. But there's still a lot of young rising talent on this roster that didn't necessarily get an opportunity to showcase what they can do last season purely because they were lower down on the depth chart below John Mechie, Jameson Williams, and even Slade Bolden. Some names I would watch out for are Ja'Cory Brooks, who had some, you know, of the spotlight late last season, especially in the Iron Bowl. JoJo Early, who got injured. Earlier on in the 2021 season, he's expected to be, as some would call it, you know, the next Jalen Waddle for this Alabama program, and even Trayshawn Holden, who might be a little bit lower down on the depth chart, but did hear his name called a few times last season, and with potentially more opportunities in 2022, he's one that could definitely fight for a starting role in the uh, wide receiving core. So while it's not necessarily a matter of Who's going to you know, shine for this Alabama team? There's just so much talent at wide receiver. You just have to wonder if by the start of the season they're even going to have a set starting three to go off of.
1: Talking about A.J. Spur, roll tide wire. And looking at the schedule, obviously the second game of the year holds a lot of intrigue, namely the fact that this game is going to be played in Austin against the Texas Longhorns. And it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. In almost mid-September, how like unbearable is that He going to be at 11 a.m. when these two teams square off?
2: It's going to be rough. I don't know if you've seen a handful of Texas students got together and started a petition on Change.org before it was even announced because everybody saw it coming uh, with the noon Eastern kickoff and 11 Central kickoff, and just how bad that's going to be for everybody, the fans, the players. Yeah, I talk about fans in attendance, fans at home, even. That's a game, while it may not be as competitive as a lot of people are hoping for, that's a game that garners national attention. And you're going to tell me you're going to make fans on the West Coast wake up at 9 a.m. to watch Saban take on Sark, uh, Quinn Ewers, you know, make his, uh, you know, week two debut against one of the strongest teams in the nation. Obviously, B. John Robinson against this Alabama defense. I don't know. It, to me, it just seems unfair, not just to the players who are going to have to face that, you know, grueling heat, but the fans and, and everybody interested in this game. Um, you know, I, I would have liked to see an evening kickoff, as would most people, but you know, TV deals are what they are, and that that's prime time for Fox. So, you know, there we go. Got to just deal with it.
1: Exactly. Sometimes you just got to eat. That elephant, if you will, but we're gonna go ahead and I'm gonna let you go, man. Thank you so much for coming on, AJ. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother.
2: Of course, appreciate you CD. I'll talk to you soon. All right, AJ
1: Spur, absolutely. Love kind of getting an idea of what's going on across the SEC because obviously there's a lot of conversations. Could have had some more about expansion, but obviously that that stuff. we don't know when Texas and Oklahoma are gonna make the jump from the big twelve to the SEC. Rumors are 2023, but those are just rumors. We're going to get some more factual expansion talk and more with our good friend Kara Ritchie of the Ticket Out in Jonesboro. We're going to talk to her next right here on the game. 103.7 Live Yet and 104-1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros. And we're talking about the LSU Tigers, not those Auburn Tigers or War Eagle, Plains, or whatever. It's the purple and gold LSU Tigers we're your home for.
0: Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These go to 11. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one Lake Charles. And this Wednesday night, we are celebrating 10 years on the air at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey. Again, Wednesday night, Buffalo Wild Wings, Ambassador Caffrey. Delicious wings, of course, will be there, but also amazing door prizes, including Astros tickets of 50-inch TV donated by AVI. Car washes from the wash, donated by Service Chevrolet Cadillac. A gift card from Partners Limited. A round of golf with a cart at Cane Road Golf Course. A $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing and Station Swag and so much more. So get on out there. And also, the Astros will be playing that afternoon. But as soon as they're done, we're going to flip it over to migas and mesh a live edition from beat up so come join us wednesday from four to nine for the game's 10th birthday bash it's great to think about the fact that we've been on the air for 10 years when some probably never thought for a second that we were around for we would have been around for six months let alone 10 years absolutely great stuff and now we're going to kind of flip it over to the Sunbelt Conference. We talked a lot about Alabama in the last segment. We'll flip it over and start with the letter A in the Sun Belt Conference and start with Arkansas State. And to do that, we go out to the game hotline, bring on our good friend Kara Ritchie, host of the Workday Red Zone on the ticket 95.3 and 96.9, 970 KNEAA in Mountain Jonesboro, and also, 1041 KRBI out in Clarendon, Arkansas. Kara, did I, did I get all those? Because it looks like y'all have been expanding like our station has been expanding in the last year.
3: We, I, I think so. There are <laughs> days that I lose track of it as well. So <laughs> it sounded good to me, but, you know, give it a couple weeks, it might change again.
1: Exactly. We'll just go ahead and say the ticket out in Arkansas. We'll, we'll go ahead and just kind of keep it simple because I'm sure things will keep going. But, you know, first off, looking at last season, yeah, the first year of head coach Butch Jones. How would you grade out that the first season for him?
3: Um, I'm not going to try and sugarcoat the record. It was a two-and-10 season. It's the worst record that Arkansas State has had since they've been a member of the Sunbelt Conference. Um, dead last is unacceptable for Arkansas State football in league play, and that's where they finished last year when it was all said and done. Um, That being said, you know, Butch Jones was hired last year three days before the early signing period, um, or I guess it would have been 2020, and kind of walked into a roster that was significantly lacking in depth and also needed a little bit of a culture reset. So the on-field results were not okay. However, I saw some things at the end of the season that give me enough reason to, to be cautiously optimistic for 2022
1: and you look at the way this team is set up i mean what are you what are the biggest question marks this team is going to be having heading into the fall camp and what position battles you're kind of looking forward to
3: well the play at the lines is is really concerning um there is there is good talent among the starters but you look particularly at offensive line there, there are currently 14 guys in that room in in the offensive line. And there are only five that are not redshirt freshmen or true freshmen. So while there is talent there among the, the the starting five, there is zero tested depth whatsoever and nobody on the planet makes it through one season with just five offensive linemen. You've got to have some backups in there that can, that can come in and spell those starters, and of course, everybody is going to be knocking on wood that those guys make it through a full season without, you know, getting beat up too much, which again is is kind of impossible. The O line—that's uh, that's the biggest question. Just what are the lines going to look like? Uh, you know, you've got uh, some questions about how carries are going to be split at running back, who might emerge um, at at wide receiver, but. Uh, One of the interesting things this year is for the first time in a long time, you don't have a question about who the quarterback is going to be. So um, a, a lot of questions, but some things that are a little bit more settled going into this year than we've seen before.
1: And sometimes that's a good thing, especially in a conference that's in the middle of kind of a metamorphosis. I think that's been the big conversation over the last six months has been some of the new members joining the fold, including Southern Miss, Marshall, Old Dominion, and it's going to be a very interesting conference, especially when you look at the way the West is going to be lined up now, with Southern Miss joining the fold. What are your overall thoughts on the expansion? How things look now versus maybe what they did a year ago?
3: Well, this is a a strong conference that got better. Um, you know, we've seen over the past you know five years or so how the the Sun Belt has stepped it up in in terms of football, and I think. You know, 2020, the pandemic year, when, when coastal fared so well, when you know Louisiana fared so well, that was kind of when everybody started to realize nationally that this conference had improved quite a bit. And then what happened after that? Well, when the realignment wheel started turning, this conference put itself in a, in a really good place to be able to go out and add some, some good programs. Southern Miss has been a little bit down for probably about the – Past decade, you know, ever since Larry Fedora left that program, it's just been kind of hit or miss as in terms of what kind of season they have. Um, I think Marshall is going to come in and be a good addition right off the bat. Uh, Old Dominion, you know, is is just a couple years removed from having their entire 2020 season wiped out, so I'm curious to see how they continue to bounce back from that. And then, you know, you look at James Madison, and to me, that's the most intriguing ad because we've seen teams jump from FCS. To the Sun Belt and have immediate success you know we saw that especially with App State and Georgia Southern however um, a decade ago the Sun Belt was was not as good as it is right now today so um, I don't think James Madison is going to have these huge significant struggles to get acclimated but um, I don't think they're going to come in and be able to, to pull off what Georgia Southern did in 2013 and go 8-0 either so as to where they fall in the middle will be fascinating to see unfold this year.
1: And how much does kind of, the, kind of the shuffling of the West and East Division, where now Troy is going to be part of that West, kind of play into things? Because I think that's going to be just interesting to see how it all pans out with that addition and seeing how it works out amongst the yeah. West, where it's been very much since they've gone to divisions. It's been the Cajuns' realm,
3: right? Um, you know, if this would have been if this would have been Troy under Neil Brown um I, then all of a sudden they would be you know one of the heaviest hitters there in, in the Sun Belt West but they're coming into this um coming off a of coaching change um I'm not sure you know what all is is going to be the strength of that team I, I know they've got a, a very good defensive player still in Carlton it, Marshall that's going to come in and, and, and into the West and be phenomenal and of course he's been phenomenal the entire time he's been in the Sun Belt. but I'm not sure what to, to make of it. You know, there is a pretty significant power balance right now in power unbalanced right now in the Sun Belt between the east and the west where the east is is definitely, definitely stronger. But um, right now this is still until, you know, some of these other programs can step up until A-State can get uh, back to where they were three or four years ago until Troy can show that they've settled in under, under some role, this is still the Cajuns' division right now.
1: Going back to Arkansas State, Kara, by the way, talking with Kara Ritchie, host of the Workday Red Zone on the ticket out in Arkansas. Again, they have like 40 different stations now that the show's broadcast from. So I'm sure that's that's great, but it's, not, like, it's just hard to kind of keep tabs on, as we mentioned earlier. But looking at Arkansas State, who are a few players you're looking forward to seeing step up as we get closer to fall camp? And you kind of start to see those guys maybe shine. And who, who guys are guys you looking forward to seeing in, in fall camp?
3: Well, one quick note on, on the radio signal. You can just call us the Ticket Radio Network. We've got too many signals to, to try and go through it, so that's kind of how we abbreviate it. But um, most of the additions that I'm really looking forward to seeing are, are on the defensive side of the ball. That is, you know, the first half of the season, um, the defense was was bad, bad. There's, there's no way to say it nicely. Um, and even – even though this defense got better at the end of the season, it was still one of the worst defenses in college football. There were only a handful of teams that allowed more points. I think A State was, was worst in the country in terms of rush yards or uh, rushing defense, I think. Um, so, in a way, there's nowhere to go but up uh, defensively. But you look at some of the guys that are coming in there, you know, um, Arkansas State added a, a transfer defensive end and uh, by the name of, of Blaine Toll. Started his career at Arkansas, spent a hot second at Colorado, and actually came in last year and practiced with with the team, was on the scout team, but wasn't eligible yet. And he will be this year. He is he is going to be a menace. He scares me a little bit. Uh, back when they did a press conference, um, right when these guys had been added to the team, every player was put on the spot and, and asked to give a word that describes themselves. And he went with violence. So he's going to be a, a scary guy at defensive end. Um, you also look at the fact that uh, Arkansas State added a um, a linebacker out of Alabama, King Makuta, that's going to come in. Added Eddie Smith out of Illinois, who started his career at Alabama. He's going to be a big piece at safety. And then Kavon Bennett was a guy that played at defensive end last year after transferring from Tennessee. But he's going to come in this year and, and move to linebacker. And I think he is probably the most important player on the defense because he's going to be the captain of that defense. He's got to be the guy that ties it all in together. So how will he handle that move and how will he handle being the guy on that side of the ball?
1: Kara, thank you so much for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.
3: Hey, that sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me on. See ya.
1: I appreciate you joining the program. As always, Kara Ritchie. You can follow her on Twitter if you want to get the latest on A-State. Go follow her at Kara underscore Richie. A wealth of information, especially when it comes to just Sunbelt in general. Great always chatting with her. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. Got one final take, and we're going to get to the NFL side of things because I saw something the other day that had me thinking, does anyone really want Sean Payton in the here and now? We'll talk about that next right here on the game. Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
0: Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out
1: the last take we have here on the show is going to be Sean Payton related and I saw this the other day that apparently the Miami Dolphins were trying to get one Sean Payton to be the head coach of their franchise after he retired now I'll, I'll throw this out here does any head does any NFL team want Sean Payton as a head coach right now, fresh off of his time, uh, trying to get him to come out of retirement? And the reason why I ask that is because of one reason and one reason only. It's the money. It's also going to be how much are you willing to give up? Because I guarantee you, with the way the Saints have Sean Payton's contract worked out, you are going to have to fork over some draft picks as well as some cash to be able to get him off of their books and onto your stuff. It's going to be very similar to what we saw with John Gruden back in the early 2000s whenever they made the trade for him to go from the Raiders to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that led to a Super Bowl championship in just a few short years. You're going to have to give up a lot. I I just think that's how it's going to go. Is anybody within this time frame between now and the end of his contract that's in the obligations that he has? You're going to have to fork over, because I think the Saints are very willing to say, hey, you want him? You're going to get him, but you're going to have to pay a steep price. You're going to have to pay the Piper and get to get your guy in place. That's just the way I think about it. Maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm the Saints, I'm holding him practically for ransom and getting as much as I can out of it. If it were the Dolphins, hell yeah. like I'm sure they've got some more picks from their war chest that you can pick out of. Hell, the Dallas Cowboys, they're the one that everybody's been tying Sean Payton to pretty much for the second he signed with the New Orleans Saints, and especially right after they won the Super Bowl. Every time there was a coaching search conversation with the Dallas Cowboys, Sean Payton's name came up front and center. I'd definitely be trying to fleece Jerry Jones and his stooges if I'm the New Orleans Saints, but I'm not. I don't have that much money. But appreciate you for listening in. We'll be back with you next week, 9 to 11. Same bad time, same bad channel. The game, 103.7 Lafayette and a 104-1 Lake. Charles, have a good weekend, everybody. Peace.